Welcome to the Nash Biz Podcast, a podcast specifically for business owners in Nashville, Tennessee. Whether you're seeking the best strategies for scaling your business, networking opportunities, or just plain old entertainment, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the show. What is up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am the one of the hosts of the Nash Biz Podcast with my business partner and co-host, John Trusty. Today, we have John Donovan. John builds learning communities. His combination of educational psychology, cognitive science, multimedia production, and technology-based delivery experience has helped global audiences achieve personal and professional success. John's career spans state and federal government posts involved in the design, development, implementation, and assessment of services for at-risk populations, including children, families, and senior citizens. In an effort to expand promising practices to national and global audiences, John became a pioneer in the technology-enabled learning industry. In his role as VP and executive producer at Little Planet Learning, a spinoff of the Learning Sciences Institute at Vanderbilt University, John was responsible for bringing learning science research into practice for organizations around the world. John has been privileged to collaborate on solutions for a range of government organizations, including the U.S. Departments of Agriculture, Defense Army Intelligence, Education, Health and Human Services, Homeland Security, and NASA. John's industry sector experience includes advertising, aerospace, automotive, communications, defense, entertainment, film, finance, food service, grocery, health, and safety, healthcare, higher education, hospitality, insurance, intelligence, justice, K-12 education, legal, medical education, pharmaceutical, professional services, real estate, retail, senior care technology, and television production. John, welcome to the show. (laughs) And everyone is now asleep. So, I mean, I think we can just wrap it up there. I I think we got everything we need. (laughs) It's it, yeah. Well, it sounds impressive, but it's only, it's only been twenty years, so you know. Yeah, but I mean that, that that's quite the resume, and there's there's a few nuggets here that I definitely want to dissect. But let's say that I'm just meeting you for the first time. Yep. We're on an elevator. We're on floor twelve. We're going to floor one. How would you introduce yourself to me and to my audience? You know, I, I like to learn kind of where people are coming from. But if I were to sort of boil it down, what I do is I make I help people become successful in whatever area that is. And I've learned from life and experience working with organizations that, that everybody wants to succeed. You just got to find the way that they want to succeed and, and what gaps they have in that path and then provide them with that. And if you kind of start there as your outcome, that's your objective. How to make your audience successful, your, your population successful, and then kind of work backward from that. Uh, what are the skills? What are the personal goals? What are the gaps? Um, then you're well on your way to building a solution that, that actually works. So it's, it seems like to me, right? Because I, I believe the art of becoming successful, and I believe it's an art, um, I think a lot of it is mindset. I think a lot of it oh, is absolutely. overcoming your fears, overcoming your internal, uh, you know, that internal voice telling you, hey, you can't do this, you can't do that. So, you know, the first thing you say is educational psychology, cognitive science. I, I imagine a lot of this when you work with clients of helping them become successful because that's a very loaded uh, task. I'm going to help you become successful. Well, how? Well, mindset's a huge part of that. So how would you dissect that? How would you take someone from a point of, you know, they're desperate to, to take that next step to, hey, you're successful now. And, and I believe it also, a lot of it starts here. So how do you, how do you dissect that with the client? It's a great point. And, and, and it's a continuum. 
there's never really an opportunity to say, you know what, I'm done. I've learned everything I can. I'm, I'm a master. Forget it. You know, right. That's never going to happen. And no matter, it's interesting. In, in projects I've done all around the world, the people who know the most are actually the most humble about what their knowledge set is. And they never forget that the it's proven by research and, and practice. You cannot maintain mastery unless you're continuously learning. And that's learning from, for yourself, but also learning by interacting with an audience of learners. Because the learners bring perspectives and, and uh, activities and opportunities to use this information in ways you could never imagine. And with the pace of change in technology and research and, well, and, and world events, what you, you can never anticipate what tomorrow looks like. And you certainly can't do that now. Right. And so when you're working with an audience of folks who's out there in the world and they say, you know what, that's cool stuff, whatever it is, that's cool stuff. But here's my, what my world looks like. How do, I, how do I succeed using what you know in this environment? What a huge challenge it is. What a great opportunity. That, that level of interaction allows you to maintain mastery. Otherwise, you get fossilized really quickly. And that's that fossilization that makes classes boring. Right. Or chatting with somebody boring and say, you know what, I heard that before. And that was cool back in the day. But, you know, here's where we are right now. Right. How can you help me? Well, I, I think, too, you know, achieving a level of mastery, like you mentioned, it's a continuum. It's something yeah. that you have to continuously work towards. I also believe, and I've seen this with, with uh, you know, colleagues and previous clients, et cetera, where they're on the right path. Yep. But they feel like, oh, I'm good. I look at this level I'm at. I don't have to continuously learn. I don't have to continuously strengthen my strengths or strengthen my weaknesses. Do you think that comes down to mindset? Do you, do you think oh. they've hit a certain point to where, you know, you mentioned people who are masters are the most humble, but what about people who think they're masters that in <laughs> fact aren't humble and they have this ego saying, hey, I'm good. I don't have to learn anymore. Like how, how do you navigate around people like that? Well, I glazed over your, your, underlying your, your first question, which was really about that mindset. Mm -hmm. And there is a, if you've read the book about grit. Um, you know, I heard it. I haven't read it, but I've heard about it. Great, great book. The author's name escapes me right now. Put the footnotes. The, the grit that is, is that sort of mindset, that determination, that passion that says, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to gut it out. This is important to me. I'm going to get this done. I'm going to figure it out. That level of determination is, is universal. It doesn't, it doesn't require money or time uh, or even background. Um, it's, it's, it can be suppressed by background, but you, if you don't have that, you're not going to be successful. And when somebody says, you know what, I got this in the, in the bag, right. there's nothing you're going to keep telling me that's new. You know, that, that's, that's like the lie detector test. You instantly know this person's a poser. They really don't know as much as they think they do. As soon as they say, ah, stop right there. Mm -hmm. yep. or that they're not learning. If they say, you know what, I, I'm not, I'm no longer, I don't know, I longer have to, no longer have to progress in my, in my path. You know that they're dead eating themselves or they're so delusional that they have forgotten that they are learning every day, whether they want to or not. Mm -hmm. And if they're actively suppressing that process, then there's something pathological. You, know, that you cannot exist you know, and, and claim to be master or, or to maintain mastery unless you are actively getting new information every day. Yeah. Do you think, uh, and, and just to kind of come full circle here, because your biggest thing is helping people become successful 
And I believe you help people become successful through learning, the, uh, the obtaining of knowledge, et cetera. Yeah. Do you believe that you can become successful without achieving a level of mastery? Well, that's, and I should have unpacked what successful means because successful has a lot of definitions. Right. So for, for McDonald's, it was how do you help food cost spread? So success is pennies and seconds, you know, getting the orders out the door within a certain amount of time, saving your food cost spread between what's wasted and, and or, you know, consumed um, outside of being sold. So yeah, it's how it comes, comes down to how you define success. Now, personal success, being able to, sometimes it's as simple as being able to provide for myself or my family right. or achieve a grade or move up within my career. The magic is, is in part determining what that, that, that level of success is the audience is looking for and then helping them to understand where they are in that continuum, the basic ingredients in terms of behaviors and personality. Um, that helps you get, move along that continuum. And then what are the knowledge objects or the knowledge activities you got to do to, to instill new skills, new behaviors, new attitudes, um, and then give them incentive uh, to participate and, and, um, and find success of their own. But it's not, it's a continuum. It's, it, it is not a, an end point. So could you argue, because here, here's a theory I have on success. I, I believe and I'm speaking strictly from a business owner. I, I believe in business owners' minds, um, not all, but some, my mind, that I will never achieve a level of success because as I near my next goal, I'm already looking forward to a new goal that I would that would help me deem myself Absolutely. successful, right? So yep. in, in essence, I'll never be successful because I'll never, quote unquote, hit my goals because I'm always looking to a new goal. How do I... And, and, and we might turn this into a little mastermind here. How do I change that thinking? Because I, I, I think there's power in never being satisfied, but I yeah. think there's also um, no power in never being able to celebrate your wins, right? Oh, oh, absolutely. And, and you're going to very quickly tire if you don't find some way to celebrate success and then recognize that success is, is incremental. Well, two, I think a couple important things. Among the many important things about a successful mindset, a success-oriented mindset, is that success is a team sport. There's there's no such thing as a self-made anybody. Yep. Everybody stands on somebody else's shoulders and relies on the community around them of 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 caring individuals, of customers, of neighbors, whatever it is. But you're a member of that community. And, and success is something that you achieve in collaboration with them, where they're giving you feedback, positive or negative. They're giving you feedback. They're giving you their time and attention. They're giving you their money if they're customers, but they're all part of a community that you are um, participating in. And sometimes if you're lucky, leading. So having a healthy perspective on success and maintaining that community and, and helping them to provide, to be successful in their pursuits um, even if it's buying a product or getting a service or listening to you know an excellent perspective, but whatever it is, you're helping them with, with their vision of success. And then celebrating the moments because it's very, very easy to, um, to misplace that realization that you know, thanks to your maker or your family or whatever circumstances are, you are here and alive right now 
you're mm-hmm. present, you are healthy to whatever extent you are. There's a tremendous amount of successes that you can claim or you need to recognize on a daily basis that give you that positive mindset that then you can stack upon to achieve that next level of success. And so if you look at it from a continuum perspective, the success is a continuum, that there's lots of incremental steps, that there's lots of resources around you that contribute to that. Um, I, I think as a tremendous um, power that people have that they often forget. Um, that drive to, to succeed at the next thing um, is, is certainly a powerful enabler as well, because you're there, I think success and satisfaction are two different things. Right. You can be successful and never satisfied, which has pitfalls of its own. But it's that level of satisfaction that said, you know what? How? It's, it, it's, if success along those milestones, along that path comes to you with a lot of hard work and, and, um, and exercising those skills, then you can very quickly say, okay, wow, you know what? I've already stood on somebody else's shoulders. I, I, you know, I've, I've built that next level. Um, I've, I've achieved that level of success. I'm ready for the next level. So it's a continuous challenge. And I think that continuous challenge is what makes us unique as humans. Um, and, and it certainly has been uh, powerful you know, in terms of our national history and our culture. Those are great drivers that make us unique in the world. So, so the goal is to be successful and satisfied. <laughs> it, it tears together, right? There's levels of satisfaction along with levels of success. And, and it absolutely. Grow. Absolutely. And, and yeah, and, and it's, it's like a relay race where, you know, sometimes the baton is held by satisfaction. Sometimes the baton <laughs> is held by success. <laughs> right. you know, it, it, it's crazy. You know, we're, we're talking a lot about success and a lot about, you know, reaching your incremental goals and being satisfied. Um, I imagine, you know, we, we spoke before and I imagine there's some sensitivity around this, but how the heck does this play into NASA and army intelligence and stuff like that? I, I think I it's interesting. <laughs> the, I mean, j- just the last paragraph I read of the book you sent me to introduce you, you've done a lot, you've done a lot within your career. Right. And, and I imagine different, you know, different paths lead to different opportunities, of course. Um, how did, how did you lead into working with some government agencies? Of course, I know there's a lot you can't get into, but that path is interesting because not a lot of people have opportunities like that. So, so how did that come about? You know, I, I ask myself that frequently. And, and I, I want to think that part of it, a large part of it is my underlying goal to help people succeed. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's tremendously edifying um, and, and, and satisfying when you can work with a group or an individual and say, you know what, what do you want to do? How can we get you there? Now, you know, right. we're not, you can be a brain surgeon tomorrow, but there are things you can do to move in that direction and possibly find something that's even more interesting or satisfying to you. Mm-hmm. So the, the path to working with folks like NASA and, and, and uh, Army Intelligence was really through word of mouth. Um, I built up a skill set and that was fairly unique in the space, but it was all about how you use educational psychology and, uh, and learning science to do things that we often take for granted. And it's that community collaborative nature of finding out who the expert is or someone who's really good at something and then unpacking, reverse engineering that knowledge. Say, okay, what makes you so good at that? How did you, how did you learn that? And that's where you get 
Glad Gladwell's work on um, mm. or his, his his writing on observation and um, insight and intuition, all those sort of tacit behaviors. Well, folks who are really good at something often forget that it's the nature of cognitive science. The better you are at something, the less active thought goes into it because your brain is literally rewired. You create neural shortcuts where you get so good at something. It's like muscle memory, but for the brain. You no longer actively think about it. I like to think about a good analogy is driving a car. When you first learn to drive a car, you're terrified. Everything is a possible hazard or a threat. Right. And then on top of that, you got this 200-page owner's manual that tells you how to operate this machine. Well, and you think to yourself, how am I ever going to be able to go down the street and, and not have to look at 10 and, you know, scan the, the gauges, scan the mirrors, hold the steering wheel at 10 and 2. Is the door locked? Is my seatbelt on? Is it going to rain? Oh, my goodness, if it rains, what do I do next? <laughs> All those things that over time you no longer actively think about, they're easily forgotten. And so what's, what's helpful is the perspective of someone like me that says, okay, let's talk about how you got to be so good at what you do. And then we find ways to help people practice those behaviors, not all of them, just in, this, in, this, in the correct sequence to solve particular problems, because that's how people learn. They're constantly solving problems, whether we actively think of them as problems or not. So when I think about success, to me, success is what problems am I currently solving or help, helping other people solve? How do they recognize those as problems, not so as problems, but as opportunities? So we call them problems from a sort of a, a learning science breakdown perspective, but they're opportunities for us to take on board new information. So all that stuff comes together in, in when I was, relate, was referred from one by one person to another person. So one person in the intelligence community who I happened to run into because of a, a you know of a prior life acquaintance said, you know, you should talk to John about this or that. And uh, they said, you know what, our, the intelligence community said, you know, we got a big problem. We're, we're, we're in this environment, in this Middle Eastern theater, where we don't know much of anything, really. You know, from America, it's very, very difficult to understand how religion and politics and culture and tribe and history all meld together to create a language, Arabic, which is 50 to 70 percent dialect. And the only version of Arabic that, that people is universal is what's on the TV news. And that's almost like saying, well, if you can speak Shakespearean English, you can speak English. Ooh. That's it's literally that big a difference between TV news Arabic and what they speak on the street in Baghdad or Kuwait or right. Iran. So when, when I was introduced to the folks in the intelligence community, they said, we got a big problem. And it's not just learning the language, it's learning all the stuff that influences language. And then if you can become pretty good at that, you're good enough to recognize what is appropriate or inappropriate uses of language or culture so that you know enough to know what you don't know. Right. <laughs> I know that's kind of a, kind of a challenging concept, but um it's just as important when you're learning something to learn what your gaps are and recognize the gaps and appreciate those because those are opportunities yep. that your environment is telling you, hey, go figure this out. There's a little something here. You don't have to do it immediately, but recognizing that you have that gap gives you the opportunity to say, something's out of, out of whack. I need to figure this out. Yep. Well, John, John, so 
Go ahead. Go ahead, trusty. Whenever you whenever you identify those gaps, what are the 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 one, two, three steps to to moving through that? If you had a, a way to generalize it. Yep. Context, collaboration, and research or discovery. So it's it's preserving in my mind, okay, now I make a note or there's different types of systems. I have a platform that does that, but it's all about identifying, okay, within the context of this particular problem I'm trying to solve, what's my gap? And so I'll make a note for myself or I encourage others to make a note of, okay, preserve that context. In this, in this particular example, this is what I don't know. It could be a time of day, an application or a piece of information, whatever it is. And then say, okay, who would be a good resource to give me that information? Who do I trust to help me figure this out? You know, I do a Google search. I may know the individual by name, but you reach out to them and say, you know what? I'd like to know more about this or that. And it's very flattering to say, you know what? I as an individual trust you as being someone who can guide me this experience and I'd like your assistance. That's tremendously flattering. Very few people say, you know what? That's cool, John, but uh, I'm not so interested in helping you. Well, you're off, you're off the Christmas card list at that point. So you know, nobody wants to do that. Um, and then the next step is, so once you've got that, had that conversation with, with an you identify the right person, then you engage in a conversation. Okay, here's the particular problem I'm trying to solve. Here's how I think you could help me. What am I lacking? Is this, you know, is this the way I'm putting this together? Is this experience I have it I don't know how to use? Or is it something that, that's foreign to me that you need to share with me? So once that, that, that's kind of articulated, you're going to discovery process. And that discovery process, again, is collaborative, or you're working with someone to help you as a coach or a mentor or a guide to say, here's how we can supplement that information. And if you use that model and a wide variety of problems or challenges you run across, chances are you'll be successful. Great. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think something that's especially big in the entrepreneurial world is someone's been through what you're going through or someone yeah. had the problem that you have now. You can either learn it yourself. I mean, I, I think information is readily available to anyone on the internet. Of course, yep. you have to know what to even look for in the first place. Absolutely. Yep. Um, or you can just ask someone else and cut that time gap down to where, hey, I'm saving time. Sure, you probably have to part with some, some resources in the form of money volunteer work, whatever the case might be, but you're going to get your answer a lot quicker and you're going to get it from a trusted source rather than trusting your own research when you probably don't even know how to do that research in the first place. Right. Oh, absolutely. You, you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. So you're in a relationship of trying to make sense of, of, a, of a world of, of whatever your problem is without knowing the, the, the signal to noise ratio. You don't know whether or not this is real information that can solve, help you solve that problem or not. So you, you go to trial and error mode. Well, there's lots of great ideas that get fritter away with people doing trial and error. Right. You need something, you know, you need to reach out to somebody who says, okay, help me work through this. Help me make sense of my problem and make sense of the possible answers and then test those in a safe way. It helps me figure out what is an authentic response or authentic answer to this problem. Right. You know, what, what's interesting is when we were, when you're talking about working with the intelligence community, you mentioned how a lot of people struggle of reaching that next level. They, they don't know the, the, the steps they got to take to get to that next level, or they, they can't think about or convey what they're trying to do. And what's interesting and what's super relevant to me as of late, I'm a big reader, 
Um, and there's two points I want to make here. One of them is I just read a book called Limitless by Jim Quick. He's a brain coach, but he talks about how your ticket to freedom is the ability to learn. Yes. It's the ability to learn new things. And, and I listen to a podcast as well, where he talks about how people say, would you rather have the ability to learn any subject in the world or $50 million in your bank account? And he says, I would rather be able to learn anything in the world, right? A lot of people would say $50 million, but if you can learn anything in the world, you, you can get far more than $50 million because you know how Absolutely. to learn. And a lot of people struggle with that. And what I see is they think, okay, well, I'm out of school. I don't have to learn anymore. I just have to do. Well, right. learning you, just started your learning just started at this point. You don't learn anything in school that's going to take you to that next level. But what's, what's even interesting that, that further goes along this is he talks about, you, you mentioned small steps. He talks about, there's a phrase in there. It's an S um, cubed. So an S to the third power, small, simple steps, mm -hmm. one step at a time. And then further on that, it, it, it's all crazy how relevant this is. I was listening to another podcast. This person by the name of Mel Robbins talked about your life is just a, con a conglomeration of five second decisions, five yeah. second things you have to do. And when you think about life in that perspective, and, and I, my, my advice to people out there, because it works for me, you have a big lofty goal. If you say, hey, I'm just going to take five second steps towards that goal, it makes it a lot less overwhelming. And I think that's well, what people good. struggle with is they have this big goal and they think, okay, I got to take three big steps to get there. And you're thinking, no, we got to take 20 small steps to get Absolutely. there because that's where you're going to actually see the momentum yep. to where it's a much easier to reach that bigger goal on a grander scale. How do you an elephant? Uh, yes. There's something that I chat with organizations about all the time because organizations hire folks like me when they have big problems. Mm -hmm. They say, you know what? Our culture is bad. People can't sell. They, they, they waste all the burgers or whatever it is. What are the problems? And they say, you know what? Do some magic, fix this problem. You know, how much is going to cost and how much time is going to take? Well, they think the mistake that a lot of folks think make, no matter where they are in their trajectory, is that that um, big problems are easy to solve. Big problems have lots of small problems that roll mm -hmm. up to the solution that produces the, a, a big problem result. Yep. One thing we learned at NASA, which was tremendously helpful in working with other organizations, is is a way of thinking about problems in terms of what is the nearest problem you've got to solve and solve that problem and go on to the next problem. One because problem at a time. Yep. Absolutely. You have a big picture objective. The objective may be we're going to do a successful entry descent and landing on Mars. But that problem has about a million little problems <laughs> you've got to solve just to get to Mars. <laughs> right, right. So what's the problem right now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's interesting. And, and I think a lot of people struggle with that. And I, I think it comes back to mindset, right? Where yeah. they, they don't, they never learned how to tackle big problems. They never learned. They, they can tackle small problems, but I think people forget the fact that small problems make up big problems, just like you said. And I think oh, yeah. that's the key. Well, and one of the things that I like to do with organizations and, and individuals I, that I work with in organizations is to help them think about, um, uh, how to transfer experience they have of making successful decisions of successfully solving smaller problems into their performance environment. Mm -hmm. So, you know what, when you got up today, yeah, I'm, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at you right now and you got your clothes on. Obviously you're successful in getting out of bed, showering, putting clothes on, driving a vehicle of some kind or using a telephone. You did, you, there's a lot of incremental success that you, so 
obviously, you know, your point about graduating from school, graduating from school means nothing more than you have the ability to learn, not that you have. So, you know, you, 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 ha you have the cognitive process in place. Now, let's think about how to use those skills that you learned in order to pass a test to become successful in your particular career area or along your path. And then mm -hmm. how do, what are the behaviors you used in order to create that success? Somehow, from the time you were shortly after you were born, you recognized you got a problem or challenge to overcome. How am I going to do it? What tools do I have? And what support can I get? And then how am I going to test that out to make sure it actually worked from the time you were born? So that's that, that behavior is innate um, in 99% in of, the, of the population. Now, the things that get in the way of that are negative self-talk, um, someone who has suppressed grit or determination to achieve a goal, or having a goal that is something that is worth having. You, you're looking for things that are big picture perspectives that can carry you forward and not just a near-term objective. Um, that's not really a goal, you know, successfully navigating your way to Kroger, picking up some, some lunch meat and getting back home again. Noble objective, not necessarily a goal or a lifetime goal. So, you know, having those, identifying and, and having those enduring uh, goals or object, you know, or personal goals that will carry you through the inevitable challenges that you're mm -hmm. going to have is key. Yeah. And, and reminding yourself of that. And there's lots of ways, positive self-talk, note, note-taking. I'm a big, I, I actually like post-it notes. Putting a post-it you You're probably one of the last people that likes post-it notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love I, them. I feel like it makes fun of me for post-it notes, but I, I like them or scraps of paper because yep. there's a, there is a, there's a mechanical process of writing down, mm -hmm. typing to a certain extent, but more writing of actually writing something down is very valuable and connecting that, that, you know, your mind to the activity. Brady and I were talking about that earlier today was <clears throat> when we start to feel jumbled, like we have too much going on. I just got back from vacation. I'm a little behind. Yep. First thing we do notepad, paper, pen. Yeah. And brain, brain dump. dump. Yeah. Brain, brain dump. dump. Absolutely. And then, then you know, then you know where you need to even start, and and you can organize from there. You can move it to your computer and type it up on Notion, like we use, whatever. But you you gotta physically write that down somewhere to really get it out your head. Oh, For me yes. too. With with that, the the reason I like brain dump brain dumping is because when I'm writing stuff down on paper, it helps me clear my head first of all. Yeah. Then I'm looking at the piece of paper and thinking. Okay, that's I'm not doing that. That's pointless. Why did I write that down? Why am I thinking about this? So then I start crossing things out and we have a team and it's like, okay, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing let me let me delegate that really quick. And then you have your list of actual to do's. And I think that's what people struggle with is they I've heard people say, oh, I don't have a to do list. Everything's up here. I'm like, that's <laughs> why you, you, you are a mess 24 seven because you can't think there's too much going on in there. Oh, oh, absolutely. It, it is it is very analogous to having not enough cash in your computer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's only going to stack so much mm -hmm. in your in your short term memory before your brain says, "Eh, I'm going to start dumping this stuff that may be more valuable in the background." Yeah. So you know, if you don't write it down, it swims around untethered, mm -hmm. and you lose the context of of how that stuff is important. So imagine you know your shopping list. Shopping lists are difficult to memor memorize all by themselves. Right. And that's only 20 to 50 items, maybe. You know, it's not a lot of stuff. Well, 
without the context of a shopping list or without the, the, the actual physical qualities of a shopping list, that stuff goes pretty quickly because your brain is so busy processing so much other data. Right. You just can't retain it. So you've got you to make a note somewhere. Yeah. Jim Quick talks about it. Your brain's like a highway. Mm-hmm. And every idea or thought or action that we didn't or, or thing that we did not take action upon is just an extra car on that highway. Yes. And how fast is your car going to move if it's if the highway's full? Right. right. And God forbid a pothole appears or a stop <laughs> sign. <laughs> yeah. Your, those ideas bounce into each other. They, you know, they ricochet around. Um, they fall off a cliff and, and, and a lot of that stuff is gone. Your brain just until your brain has enough practice integrating those ideas with other ideas, they're very short term. So your brain's a very, very efficient system. Unless you can tether that information to something that is useful to you in a long, from a long term perspective, it will drop it pretty quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I think too, for me, at least when I have a lot going on in my head, it always leads to stress because I start thinking of a million and one things, personal, professional, financial, whatever the case might be. And then I just get stressed. And I think there's information overload. There's overwhelm where you say, I have so much to do. I don't even know what to do. So (laughs) I'm just not going to do anything and I'll do it tomorrow. And I think everybody struggles with that at some point in their life until they realize I've got to get organized. I've got to get better at this if I want to get to that next level where I'm always going to be stuck here. And I think it comes back to mindset. I, I really, yeah. truly do believe that your mindset can dictate how far you go. I really do believe that. Oh, oh, absolutely it can. It can, it can be your best enabler or your worst obstacle. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you, if you cannot train the way you think about problems or your environment in a healthy way, then you'll you'll sort of regress into this you know, this early stage development of your, your your of your thought processes where you're thinking self protection. You're no longer thinking strategic. It's all responsive, or you know you're not being proactive. Um, and and in an undisciplined mind, or under a lot of stress, or exhaustion, or malnutrition, or dehydration. There's lots of complicating factors your brain reverts back to its very primitive state. That's all about protecting. Mm-hmm. So when, when stress happens to you, all those chemicals get re- released into your brain. That's fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're not acting very, think, very effective. You're not thinking very efficiently and you're not acting very effectively. And so it's easy to waste time, energy, um, you know, you have wear and tear on, on yourself and your family and your, your community around you. Um, so yeah, you're, you're, you're spot on. It, 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 it's a discipline. It requires it thought and it requires time off. It does. Yep. You need to have active downtime where Definitely. you t- you park it for a bit. And, and that's where some, some of the fantastic insights come Early in the morning, early in the day, whatever your sweet spot is for you know modest activity and fresh minds, um, some of your best work gets done um, early, you know, early in that time frame. What's crazy so, too is, you know, we we live um, I don't want to say in a rural area because we're, we're near a lot of you know structures and whatnot, but the neighborhood is very hilly, lots of trees. It's nice to walk mm-hmm. on. Something that I do and I really enjoy is you know everybody's busy. I'm busy. You got a lot going on during the day. Whenever I have that opportunity to take this walk, it, it takes me 30 minutes to walk to the end of the road because it's dead and in back. Yep. It's crazy 
<laughs> how many problems I feel like I can solve in my head in 30 minutes because it's clear. I, I, I'm away from the computer. I'm away from my phone. Oh, it's yeah. Just me, nature, sounds, sun, whatever the case might be. And I can think clearly. And I give, but I give myself the headspace as well. I'm giving myself that opportunity to say, okay, Brady, everything's left at your desk. Let's go relax for a second and walk. And I'm solving problems in my head. I'm like, okay, I, need, I don't need to do that. Okay, this is how I would do this. Okay, yeah. this is who I need to follow up with. And it's crazy. And, and I think everybody's mind is a lot more powerful than they give themselves the credit for. It's just allowing yourself to reach that next level. And like you said, your mindset can be your best enabler or it can be your hardest obstacle. Yep. And you have to allow yourself to for it to be your biggest enabler. And it, it comes down to learning. I think you have to learn how to allow your mind to work for you rather than against you. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, and yes, absolutely agree. I think walks are fantastic. Anything that you do that kind of gets you up and moving around where your mm-hmm. body is, your, 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 your brain can to- control so many of your body actions and activities that in a certain, to a certain extent, you're kind of, you're, you're offloading a lot of that, um, you know, anxious thought by sitting around and not being active, you're offloading that, that part of your brain to doing all the stuff it takes to get around successfully. So it frees up a certain amount of capacity in your mm-hmm. mind to say, okay, of the priorities I have, since I'm successfully walking down the street and crying, looking for cars and you know, picking up dog poop or whatever it is, <laughs> all those things then allow your brain to get on with the other stuff. Right. You know? So you're kind of just that, that active dis- distraction is a nice way to do that. Absolutely. Um, and, and obviously fresh air and vitamin D doesn't hurt either. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. No, well, I think I another problem people have is they, they try to do too much. They think success comes from doing more, mm-hmm. just more oh. in general. And I think that's, that's a big issue people have. I think you've got to focus on a, a set of things that are going to move the needle forward as opposed to just doing more of everything. Oh, I agree. I guess the right thing at the right time. Absolutely. It's not doing everything all the time. But how do you know it's the right thing at the right time? Well, and that's where you need to be. You need to, and you talk about the process of learning. There's, there's, a, there's a fair bit of learning that's unlearning. And unlearning is where okay. you can help unthink, you know, uh, remove things that are distractions or unhelpful to you. But a lot of it is learning through experience and time and chatting with friends and members of your community or your audience or customers, whoever it is about what's important and then helping you as an individual determine what's important to you. What is your goal? What's your definition of success? It really doesn't serve, you know, it's, it, it's certainly it's helpful as an aspiration to say, you know what, I think I want to do this, this, and this, and maybe it's me a brain surgeon, but you know what? Chances are at my age, I'm not gonna be a brain surgeon. And so it has to be somewhat realistic. So, you know, what, uh, what aspects of that, of that childhood dream or whatever it is or aspiration can be turned into goals that are realistic and achievable and meaningful uh, to you and your family or whoever relies on you or you, or you rely on? Um, what are those goals that are enduring and, and helpful to you? And it could be a, something, you know, mine is, is how to help people succeed. There's lots of different ways that can be expressed. Learning happens to be a very effective way to do that. And, and using technology to assist in that process is a very efficient way to do that. Those are not goals in themselves, but they're enablers to my goal. So right. yep. if you're probably just learning what that personal goal is or personal vision of success, how that can be turned into a goal that's meaningful and enduring, and then looking at what you're doing as stepping stones along that path. 
That's a great point. And it comes down to what are you, what is your environment as you're trying to reach that next step? And I think environment is super important. And it's something that people don't, they take for granted, right? Where they don't think their environment plays into it. Like something small is people who, statistically speaking, people who have an office that is messy and cluttered, they work not as well because their mind is thinking about there's clutter in the corner. There's a stack of files right there, whatever. And and that's your environment. That's physically your environment. But then you start going to relationships. Who's in your circle? What do they believe? Are they on the same path as you or are they going the complete opposite direction? Uh, Are you giving yourself the nutrition that you need? I I feel like that's part of your environment as well. Are are you fueling your body to be able to think clearly and go and have the energy? And I I think it's all important. And And I think there's a lot of different components to it. But I think the first step is understanding I have this big problem and I need to break up in a smaller problem. So John, as we close, we talked about a lot here. I think this is going to be a, a really good podcast episode for people to unpack, but let's say I, I'm, I'm young, right? I'm young. I'm only 25, but I'm young. I come to you, John. And I say, I have this big problem that I want to solve myself. I don't, I don't want your help along this process. I want to solve it myself, but I need that first step. What is that first step I need to take so that I can solve this big problem? What would you tell me? Write it down and define the problem. How is the problem meaningful? What does success look like? In solving this problem, I will achieve what? Is it fame, fortune, experience, moving down the step path to the next step? Is it incremental? You know, what, what is the, what's the path? So it's a problem statement with some kind of solution baked into it. It's almost, you know, I'm not a big fan of missions and visions, but you know, it's one of those kind of things. Right. But you write it down in a way that's meaningful, that can be turned into action steps. But first thing to do is write it down. What's the outcome? How am I going to measure my success toward that goal? And then what is what comes after that? A lot of individuals get a little bit paralyzed when they approach completion of whatever that particular definition of success or current version of success or iteration of success is. They'll paralyze, paralyze, think, okay, what's next? What comes after that? So... Think in terms of, you know, if a 25-year-old came down and sat with me and said, you know what, this is, this is what I do. What's my first step? Write it down. How is it going to impact you? What are the enabling factors? What are the resources you're going to use to actually move to that goal? How, do you, how are you going to validate whether or not that's authentic information, useful in helping you succeed? How do you get feedback from your environment? So congratulations. You've now achieved whatever this goal is. This is, this is, a good mental exercise. Congratulations, you succeed this, this this goal. How are you going to, is your environment going to give you positive negative feedback to tell you whether or not that is actually a true definition of success or true milestone? It could be that you have completely deluded yourself or you don't have no enough environment to say, you know what, that's not an adequate measure of success. That's not an adequate performance objective. You need to have something that, that your environment tells you. Yeah, that's valuable and productive behavior. Or not so much. Right. No, I think that's great. And and for those of you listening out there, I think that's, it seems simple, right? Write it down, but there's a lot to it. And I think it's a great first step of get it out of your head, write your problem down, write everything about it, and then go on to the next one. What are you going to do next? And I think that's a great step for people out there listening who have this big problem. Maybe you you know you have a big problem. You don't even know how to articulate it. Brain dump, write it down and just get it on paper and be very clear about it. But John, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. If someone wanted to reach out to you and ask you any sort of question about success, problems, et cetera, how can they get in touch with you? 
Um, the best way is probably through email, um, jtdonovan at gmail.com. Um, gotcha. Awesome. And, um, yeah. Thrilled to help people figure stuff out. Yeah. Love it. Well, John, I appreciate you coming on the show. Is there any last words you have for the audience? <laughs> no, I really appreciate putting you on the spot. Thank you very much. <laughs> awesome. Appreciate it, John. <laughs> well, I guess, you know what, if there's one thing, it's something a, a gentleman told me one time, 90% of what you're about never actually happens. So. Yeah, that's a great point. That's, that's a great point. We'll, we'll end there. We'll end there. Well, John, I appreciate you coming on the show. I uh, wish you all the best. Thanks. You too. Thanks, John. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nash Biz Podcast. We post new episodes every single week, and we'd greatly appreciate if you would subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll catch you next time.